Hi, I'm Ken Lerner, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, get ready to step into the world of entertainment right here on On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 648 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we take you to the Goldbergs with Ken Lerner. He's going to be here this week. He's also in Gravesend, and you've seen him in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Happy Days, and so many other things, and we're going to be talking to him in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Ken Lerner is going to be joining us. And I want to thank everybody who has uh, sent in some suggestions. We got a whole bunch of them that came in and I'm going to be working on getting those people on here if we can. And uh, right now with the strike going on, they cannot come on the show and talk about new movies or shows that they are going to be in or are currently in. They can't do that. Uh, But if uh, we can get them, if you know, they're talking about their career. So hopefully we'll still get a lot of them on here and I will see what I can do about getting that. If you have a suggestion for me, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And I see what I can do about getting that uh, person on for you. We've got a lot of backup here because we've uh, been uh, interviewing some people and I've got them, all getting in a row here, and we're going to have some great guests coming your way, so get ready. And uh, like I said, Ken Lerner is coming up in a minute, so uh, get ready for that. Well, what do you say? I think that it is time to take a look into the crystal ball, because uh, the reason I say crystal ball is because, you know, are these shows, movies going to happen or aren't they? Because we don't know what's going to happen with the strikes going on. And, uh, you know, it may be a while before they get to be released or they may never happen because they just give up on them. But we'll see. Anyways, it's time for remake sequels and prequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, a sequel to Talk to Me is in the works and it will be called talk to me okay sounds a lot like right (laughs) well talk to me the sequel is going to be talk the number two me kind of cute huh all right and the director of haunted mansion says he wants to adapt michael jackson's captain eo you know the disney attraction into a feature film So we'll see what happens with that one. Final Destination 6 will premiere on streaming on Max. And the horror film Street Trash is going to be remade and promises, get this, quote, lots of gooey goodness. Sounds appetizing. And David Hopper says he is excited to make Violent Night 2 as soon as the strike ends. And that's it for remakes, sequels, and prequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, October 13th, Divinity, a sci-fi thriller, arrives, and it'll be starring Stephen Dorff, Bella Thorne, and Scott Bakula. And All Fun and Games 
is a horror film starring Sex Education's Aisha Butterfield and Stranger Things' Natalia Dyer. And Paramount says they still have plenty of movies to release during the strike, including Dear Santa. That's going to be a Jack Black holiday comedy. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, movies and TV on DVD and streaming right here on On Screen and Beyond. Movies and TV on DVD and streaming September 19th on digital and on demand. You can see Dreamin' Wild with Casey Affleck and the movies about two brothers who recorded an unsuccessful album 30 years ago and suddenly it's finding success. August 15th on digital, you can get No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence and on Blu-ray and DVD, you can get it on August 29th. Cobra Kai Season 5 kicks on to DVD on September 12th, and September 6th, The Little Mermaid, the live-action version, arrives on Disney+. And that is it for movies and TV on DVD and streaming. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. Hi, I'm Linda Gray on On Screen and Beyond. TV and Entertainment Time, the new season of Jeopardy may sound familiar to you as they are planning to use old questions next season because of the writer's strike. Hmm. And I Am Groot, season two, lands on Disney Plus on September 6th. And sadly, Exorcist and the French Connection director, William Friedkin, has passed at 87. That's it. For TV and entertainment time, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Ken Lerner. You have seen him on so many TV shows and movies over the time. And most recently, you've seen him on The Goldbergs. He's on Gravesend. And Ken is going to be joining us. Ken Lerner next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest has been seen on so many TV shows and films over the years, including Happy Days, Beverly Hills 90210, Days of Our Lives, and so much more, and most recently, on the Goldbergs. It's Ken Lerner. Ken, Ken, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Yeah, the Goldbergs was my last real big one, but I am in a show called um, Graves End, and it's the um, second season of it, and it's on Amazon. On Amazon, okay. All right. Right, and I am a, a very bad Jew, um, mafia Jew who kills people. Ah, okay, that's a little different for you from from the shows I've seen you in. Anyways, have have you ever exactly. done have you ever done this type of role that where you're you're the bad guy? Uh, I've been the bad guy before. I was a child predator on the commish, uh, which incidentally, a woman hit me in the back at a bank because she thought she bought the fact that I was a child predator, which was wow. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And um, 
I'm not sure if there's other stuff, but yeah, that uh, Gravesend's an interesting show. Wow. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's funny how some fans, I was talking with another uh, actor uh, just recently on the show, and they said the same thing, that people associate you with these roles that you're in, and all of a sudden, you know, if, if you've been the bad guy, they, they, they hate you. And, and it, it's a really a deep seated hate. It's not just, you know, yeah, yeah. they form this relationship with us. And, um, you know, whether it's I'm playing, you know, somebody's father or I'm playing a bad guy. It's like we're in their living room and they buy it 100 percent. Wow. You know? Well, it, yeah. in a way, uh that shows what a good actor you are, of course. But but you know you don't, you don't want somebody going after you here. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You know, uh, say hi, but don't hit me in the back. <laughs> right? Yeah. Gee. Right. Yeah. But mostly, I get people saying, um, "You used to run the restaurant that I used to go to, or you knew my doctor, <laughs> or I went to school with you, or something like that." And I also have to just tell them, "No, no." I'm an actor. And then, oh, yeah. And then I got to kind of, I try to avoid it, but I, you know, give them a hint of the stuff that I've done. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> you just have that face that everybody knows. I know this guy from somewhere. <laughs> exactly. It's the life of a character actor. I love it when somebody actually knows my name. I kind of like, you know, I give them five bucks. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, you better be careful because you may <laughs> you may get a lot of people approaching you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, is uh, is acting what you always wanted to do? Yeah. Well, it was um, it was the family business because my brother was doing it, and um, Michael Lerner, uh, Academy Award nominee, he just passed away recently. Mm -hmm. um, Academy Award nominee for Barton Fink. So it was always in the house, and I was always uh, doing it. And I've also passed it on to my son, Sam Lerner. Yes, I, I saw that. Yeah, it was great. I played his father on the Goldbergs. Yeah, and I never, I never really knew. I mean, I watched the show a lot, but I never, I knew you had the last names, but I, I, I never knew that that was your son. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just took it for granted that people would know it, but it's amazing how many people didn't put it together. And then when I tell them, they say, "Oh, yeah, of course." <laughs> He looked just like you, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, what an incredible blessing to be opposite my son for, and it'll be on forever, you know, in reruns and mm -hmm. stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Had you ever acted with any of your other family members? No, I had acted with my son once before we did a commercial for Wells Fargo where actually he was me uh, at age. 18 and then age 27 and um, then age 30. And then I was me at 60 and then 75. So it was a real involved commercial. But, you know, I got to see what my son would look like when he gets to be like 40 or something. So that was interesting. But, oh, yeah, I did a play with my daughter. I did a short um, play with my daughter one time. Hmm. My daughter is pregnant now with my first grandchild. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, I'm sure you, you can't wait to wait for that. Absolutely. Little Sadie is on the way in September. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. To you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, this is Butch Patrick. You might know me better as Eddie Munster, and I'm on On Screen and Beyond.
So I saw that you um, you interviewed Mindy Sterling, yeah? Yes, yes, Mindy. My uh, wife on the show. Yeah, Mindy was on the show, and she was great. She's, she's just so much fun. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So how was, how was working with her? Is that the first time you've worked with Mindy? Yeah, that was the first time. She was supposed to play my wife in a uh, series of 13 commercials for T-Mobile. And it was down between her and a lady in Chicago. And that lady got it. because We had like a few callbacks and, you know, and I guess it was destined that we would work together at some point. Huh. So it was great working with Mindy. You know, she's funny and she's supportive and yeah. just you know, wonderful to work with. Yeah. It's funny how... It- You know, I mean, I think, you know, if you were out for a part or Mindy was out for a part, uh, you know, how would you not get the part? (laughs) You know, it just amazes me how they they come up with that. Yeah, there's just so many actors. That's that's the huge problem. That's what I keep telling, you know, everybody, because I was a teacher for many, many, many years. I've just retired from teaching, um, teaching acting. I had my own studio for 30 years and I taught at the New York Film Academy and um, I taught for Roy London, who was my mentor. And um, I always tell them, look, it's there's a million actors out there. You have to bring your special qualities, who you are, and that will get you cast. Hmm. That's my mantra. When you when you're teaching people like that, has there ever been the point where, you know, you have to tell the person, you know, try baking or try, you know, try driving a, a bus? You know, there, it's, uh, I believe I did that one time. And of course, I lost that person forever from studying with me. So I lost that money. Um I try to encourage people, and um, but I will level with them that they need a lot more experience if they're going to get out there and put themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and try to have a career. But, you know, if it's somebody's, and I always, again, always say, if it's your passion, then pursue it. If you're looking for fame and fortune, not the business to be in because it's, you know, hit, so hit and miss that you just mm-hmm. really, really need to love it. And be passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many actors, uh, and and really, I mean, we we see, you know, like the Tom Cruises and the things like that, the people that make, you know, the the incredible amount of money. And uh, Mm -hmm. but there's so few of them, actually. You know, the rest of them are. It's it's their job. They go out and they find new jobs and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're on strike right now, and um, so you go on the picket line, and you know you just see all these faces that you don't recognize, that you don't know, who are scratching out a living, yeah. and that's what they're, you know. So um, we really, really, really need to hold tight for this strike because of the issues and the main issue is residuals from streaming and also ai oh yeah that's that's scary i mean you know they could they could just turn around and not have actors if they if if they decided to yeah that's what we're facing so it's really important that we hold out and um, you know people are gonna suffer I mean, it's, um, mm. I don't know how long this is going to last, you know, not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I saw, uh, an article just the other night about, um, they're, they've given like 128, uh, waivers to some of the big actors. You know, to independent, keep- well, yeah. Independent productions, which sign on and say they will abide by whatever deal we get in the future. 
mm-hmm. and they give them these interim agreements. And a lot of people, Viola Davis just came out and said, even though my company has this interim agreement, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to cross the line. Yeah. And a lot of people are feeling that way, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, that, I, I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose, you know, of, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I mean, I can see, I can see the, you know, that that's going to happen with some actors will go do a film, but the, um, for the, for the union to turn around and approve that, that I was, I was very surprised. Well, I think what they're doing is they're trying to have crew members and they're trying to have actors, uh, in secondary roles and, you know, um, make a living. I mean, right. the idea is to try to make a living, you know, so if they can work something out, they're trying, but, you know, obviously these big companies um, can hold out. So, you know, like for instance, I did Dahmer, that, yes. um, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Yeah. And um, um, the residual I got from streaming was not even close to what I get from prime time. So, and that was one of the biggest shows on a, uh, you know, on uh, Netflix. Yeah. And so that's what we're fighting for. Yeah. And transparency. And we don't know what the hell they know what they're making. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. But, but they're not telling us. And I'm sure it's a good amount. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm not worried about them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, from Dahmer, I had uh, Michael Leonard on the show. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who yeah. was always mixed up with Michael Lerner. Right. <laughs> was, uh, yeah, there was always a thing there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on the show and I talked with her about that. Uh, so that was a that was a really good show, though. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was very dark. Very, very dark. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of us were playing characters that were, you know, were real, real people. Mm-hmm. The character I played was a finance financer who just took all of his memorabilia and buried it Hmm. because I didn't want it to go to Jeffrey Dahmer and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was a great show. Now when you, when you portray a character like that, that's a real person, do you do a lot Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, studying up on the person or or are you just going by what the director has said? You know, this is what your lines are. Do this. Yeah. Combination of both. I mean, they gave me, they gave me the uh, video of the guy and I studied him for a while. Uh, he was a little bit more Midwest than me, but um, I could see, you know, the white hair and, and all of that. And of course, you know, I'm an actor, so we're able to, we're able to play it. Um, you know, I played Bob Arum in um, the, uh, what was it? The Don King story. Yes. And I look like Bob Arum. So, you know, when you look like the character, you know, the weird thing is if there's, I, I hate to say this, but if there's like a serial killer or someone around, you know, some, you know, some actors are looking at it. Do I look like that guy? Because the future I can play him, you know, it's a weird thought, but yeah. true. Yeah. Now I've talked to some actors and they've said that sometimes when they play a role that is, um, so disturbing as, as Dahmer. Uh, have you ever done a role that was a real life person or even maybe a, a fictional one, uh, you know, but that where it affected you so much that, you know, it's, you almost had to go to therapy or something after, you know, anything that. Like <laughs> well, that? like I said, when I played the child molester and I had a yeah. kid in my car, it was weird and I felt strange and, you know, um, 
I was very concerned with the parents of the kid, you know, who were like right off next to the car. Mm-hmm. And so that gets, you know, it gets a little weird. And, you know, you, 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 you do your best, but, um, you know, certain situations you get into which are um, strange and hard to, to do. Yeah. 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 Wow. Now, I don't know a lot about acting. And, you know, of course, you were an acting teacher and coach. I know there's different um, methods, I guess you call them. Uh, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head what these what those methods are, a method actor and a whatever other kind yeah, of actor. Strasberg and there's, you know, um, Stella Adler and all those people, you know, you use imaginary circumstances and make up a story or you use your real life. Mm-hmm. Most actors in um, the method acting world are using incidents from their real life and connecting to it. Doesn't have to be exactly the same, but you put that in there and you can cry. You put that in there, you can laugh. You put that in there, and you know something happens to you because you've lived it. Yeah. So you know, I mean, when I get a script, I write all over it. And, you know, put down things and maybe I'll use something, maybe I won't. It all depends. Yeah. Just, do the directors usually let you, you know. Absolutely. D- directors d- are directors. Uh, good directors will say one word to an actor and that'll light us up. A director who's a control freak will sometimes lead us down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. But a lot of directors know what they're doing. There's some directors who know that they're, you know, they're they're figuring out where the camera is. Their expertise is camera and, you know, that technique. And they'll leave it up. You know, casting is a, like 95 percent of the job. Yeah. So when you have a when you have a, a part and they trust you, it's a real nice you know, wonderful sense. I worked with a director named Jonathan Kaplan, who directed The Accused and directed um, a lot, a lot of movies. He directed Unlawful Entry, mm-hmm. which I was in. And um, I was doing a TV show with him, and I was um, playing a social worker who was interviewing this guy and the script tells us this guy is a killer, is a serial killer. And we started doing the scene. And then the director, Jonathan, said, Ken, come here. And he said, treat this guy like he's every other guy you've ever met. You don't know that he's doing all this. And that just lit me up and was I was able to talk to him as if I have no, you know, I mean, obviously you shouldn't be playing knowing what the script is about. But I guess I fell into that trap a little bit and was not treating him with the dignity that he deserves, mm-hmm. not knowing he was, a, you know, a serial killer. Yeah. So um, it was a real, you know, I mean, that's where directors are so, so helpful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, the Goldbergs, so many people love that show. Is, is Why did it end? <laughs> well, 10 years is a long time for a show. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a friend who I play cards with named... Um, Fred Fox, and he invented the line, um, jump the shark. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that was from a Happy Days episode. Right. And you know, when you're doing 10 years on a show, I was on it for about five or six years, my son for eight, nine years. Um, you've exhausted a lot of the storylines. And also, we lost a lot of people on the show. You know, we lost George mm. Siegel. Yeah. And, um, you know, we lost you know, Jeff uh, Garland for other reasons. But, um, you know, the show did uh, a solid 10 years, was loved by everybody. And I think uh, 
it was an expensive show to make. Oh, really? After a while, yeah. salaries yeah. that the regular were getting. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, it was a great run and great group of people. Yeah. Um, now, behind the scenes, it. was there a lot of joking around and uh, tricks oh, yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like no, that? This, it was a very, very, very loose set. And we all loved each other and, you know, helped each other and were right there for everybody. And, um, you know, at the end, Judd Hirsch was in the show and it was wonderful working with him. And, uh, you know, we had great guest stars coming in uh, and me and Mindy were playing off each other a lot with her improv yeah. background. And so it was just uh, wonderful. And then scenes with just me and Sammy, it's the first time I was able to tell an actor, are you going to do it that way? Come on, <laughs> bring, you know, you know, you're working opposite your son. So it's easy to say stuff. Right. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you, you know, how is it working with your son? In, you know, and of course, I presume that you helped him with your training, your, your acting training and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I was his coach for years. Yeah. Um, and uh, he started out, um, you know, as a child actor and he was um, he was in a movie called Envy when he was nine years old, hmm. uh, playing Ben Stiller's son. Yeah. And then he played Chowder in a movie called Monster House, which was motion capture. Yeah. So Sammy's had a great, great career. And then, you know, so I was helping him. Then there became a time when anything I said to him he didn't want to hear. So, you know, because of, you know, just the natural thing between father and son. But then we came around once we were doing the Goldbergs and, you know, I, I, we would talk about stuff and, um, you know, it was just a wonderful experience. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I'm sure. Because, you know, to to get to act with or, or do whatever, whatever job, I don't care what it is, what you do for a job to work with your, your, your kids is really something. What a blessing. Yeah. What a blessing. Yeah. Hi, folks. I'm Ray Stevens, and I'm on on screen and beyond. What was your favorite scene on the Goldbergs, or what was uh, the funniest thing that happened behind the scenes that that happened that you can let us in on? Well, I guess, you know, we had, you know, every time we did a Thanksgiving episode, there were like eight, ten pages. We were all sitting at the table and, um, you know, the food is going bad and we're supposed to be eating. I mean, they were very good about that, but it was a lot of, um, you know, OK, now we're on you. Now we're on you. Now we're on you. And then eight, ten people. And, you know, and you never know when the camera is coming to you or not. And uh a lot of screwing up and a lot of, um, you know, and Jeff, I loved working with Jeff Garland. He would improvise right before you shooting, saying some stuff and, um, you know, try to crack you up. Mm -hmm. So there was a nice looseless looseness when Jeff was in scenes. And, um, you yeah, know, that was fun. Yeah, and that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned eating. Now, are you really eating when you're you're doing these scenes? <laughs> As my son could tell you, unfortunately, I ate a lot. <laughs> uh, you're not so, I mean, you know, you can eat a little bit, but when they put Chinese food in front of you, there was an episode called Sunday Chow Fun Day, and they had delicious Chinese food in front of you. Well, I'm not going to eat it. 
you know, <laughs> so I would eat and, you know, and my son would make fun of me. But, um, you know, uh, you're not supposed to eat too much because then you're trying to match for the next shot and things. And you also don't want to have a lot of food in your mouth when you're talking, right. things like that. Yeah. So but you learn after a while, as you're a professional, you've been doing it for so long, you know what's going to work and what's not going to work in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of the eating situation. Yeah, because I was just rewatching uh, the uh, Sopranos and I, I was after seeing it, it's like, okay, almost on every episode, there was at least three or four times where they're sitting around a table in a restaurant, wherever, and they're eating. Mm-hmm. And, and it looks like they're really scoffing the food down. It's like, wow, how can they? <laughs> well, they know, they know when it's their close up and they're not going to be cutting away from them at this particular moment. They can do whatever they want. They can eat, they can eat, they can eat. If you ever watch the Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. they never ate. They always had cartons there. They always put the chopsticks in, yeah. but you never saw them eating because huh. I think they just decided they don't want to do that. And so every episode of the Big Bang Theory, they don't eat. So just be aware of that. It's uh, very interesting. Yeah. I also want to the Big Bang Theory. I worked with this woman named Carol Susie, and she played um, one of the people on the show's mother. And I played a dentist who was having sex with her and I climbed out the window. Um, The point I'm making is that she never learned her lines because she was never, ever, ever on camera. She had the cushiest job (laughs) in show business because she could have the script there. She could read her lines and um, she had a great voice. And that was a great show to work on also. Now, now yeah. in, in your career, you've worked with so many great actors and actresses. And uh, I mean, you were in Grace and Frankie and, and all these other shows that you were in. Is there anybody that you were most in awe of when you worked with them? George C. Scott. Oh, I did. Wow. Uh, I, uh, um, for the younger viewers, he was Patton. Yes. And, um, so I did Exorcist 3. And, um, you know, he's a legend and he's an incredible, incredible actor. I did a scene with him. I was playing a hospital administrator and um, the scene called for me to come in. He was in there. His best friend had died and all of his organs were in bottles, like blood bottles around. And he was in, you know, very quiet. And I'm supposed to come in and say, excuse me, sir, you're not supposed to be here. And he's supposed to answer me and do all that. And George said, I'm not going to say a word. He said to me, he's not going to say a word. And he said that to Irvin Kirshner, the director who was a very big director and directed one of the Star Wars movies. And um, uh, we did the scene. And um, I come in and say, excuse me, sir, you're not supposed to be here. He turned around and gave me the George C. Scott look. <laughs> His whole face shaking. And, and it made me shrink to the point I went, Okay. And I walked out. <laughs> and I believe that's the what they have on um, in the movie. I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but that's what they used. And um, that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He was such an, an, an intense uh, actor. It's just, oh, my God. It was a legend. Yeah. Just wonderful to work with. Yeah. And like you, know? you say, if, um, if, if he says something. Side, <laughs> yeah. And then the other side, I worked with Arnold in um, Running Man. Yes. And uh, and he stabs me in the back. And so they put a big wooden kind of apparatus under my shirt so he could take the pen and stab it. 
And I was scared that Arnold was going to go right through that wood <laughs> and hit me in the back. I mean, he didn't, but, you know, it was incredible working, you know, with that species of man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, now, when he when they put on a device like that, um, it's just, does just did Arnold use full force to, you know, to make absolutely. it look real? Wow. Yeah, because he had to stick the pen into the wood. Yeah. And they guaranteed me it won't go through the wood. <laughs> and, and it didn't. Now, one of my first jobs on Happy Days, uh, I was uh, one of the Malachi brothers mm-hmm. and it demolition derby. And so everybody driving the cars except Henry and me and the guy that played my brother on the show were stunt people. And then it was just us. And so the director, Jerry Paris, God bless him. Wonderful, wonderful man. Um, He said, don't worry about it. These are stunt people. They're professional. Well, you give a stunt guy a car and an actor in an opportunity to smash into them, they were driving. I, I, I was driving for my life and they would <laughs> smash into me and all of that. That was unbelievable, worrisome, but great. Yeah. You know, wow. You know, you know, when, when I was doing the research for the interview, I looked back at some of the, the, the old roles that you did, like you say, happy days and everything. And when I looked at it, and I saw your 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 face and the, the thing. I remember the episodes. I, I remember that that you know. But it's like I didn't realize it was you. You know, after all yeah. these years, you know. I mean, <laughs> but uh, well, you know, those were the days when you could play multiple roles on television, different different roles on the same show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did two or three two or three roles on ER. Same thing on Hill Street Blues. Yeah. And um, on Happy Days, I think I played three different characters. So, you know, in those days they did that. Then all of a sudden it became like, no, if you've done the show, please let casting know because we don't want to use you again. Oh, really? So it changed after a while. Like the first five or six years when I was in town, it was always, you know, oh, let's bring Ken back. And this time he's playing this character and this time he's playing that character. Yeah. So that was Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Because I've had some actors um, who back in the. 60s, you know, 70s, whatever. Uh, I I would look at their credits and I'd see, like you like you said, that they play three roles in one year, and and it's yeah, like, you know, how, how are people not going to recognize who it is? Cost makeup, you guys can do so much with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think in those days it was just accepted. Yeah, and nobody thought anything of it. Like one one time, I'm Frankie Bing Bong. Then I'm Rocco Malachi. <laughs> Then I'm, you know, another character on the show. And uh, that's just the way it was, you know. And interestingly enough, I was cast as um, on Happy Days when I was 28 or 29, because I'm acting opposite Henry, who was 29, 30. And if they put some and he was playing 18, Mm -hmm. if they put somebody 18 opposite Henry, it would look ridiculous. So they had to surround him with people who were old playing young. And I, you know, had a young face at that time. (laughs) We all did, Ken. We all did. (laughs) I know. know. Yeah, that's the other thing about being an actor. You can see your hair change over the years from (laughs) black to dyed gray to white to white to white to white. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, of course, with the actor strike and everything that's going on, um, you know, 
I suppose you don't have any roles that are lined up for, for at this time. No, no, nothing. I mean, I was asked to uh, to put myself on tape for a Netflix um, for a Netflix voiceover, which is allowed. But I said, no, I'm not doing that. Hmm. I mean, because we're Netflix is one of the ones that we're against. I mean, it was an audition, but I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I do have a commercial for Toyota where that's playing now where I have five lines and every line is, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you had yep. to study that one, right? <laughs> And I would call for line. Yep. <laughs> so that was that was the whole thing. Yeah. But otherwise, no, I have nothing. Uh, you know, I'm going to see friends and plays and I'm going on the picket line and things like that and hoping that we can settle soon. Yeah. 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 Well, I, 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 I interviewed the first person I ever had on the show was uh, Mickey Jones. I don't know if you know him. He was a uh, he played for Bob Dylan. He was a drummer and he was also on um, uh, Home Improvement. He was a. Uh, one of the guys in the band, whatever, uh, you know, that was on the show. Anyways, uh, he, he told me he was in a, a commercial and I remember the commercial was for a deodorant or something like that. And he was playing, he was on a, on a, on a bus or a uh, subway, whatever. And he's holding his arm up and this little old lady is next to him. And she looks at him and she says something about, Oh, you smell so good or something like that. Uh, anyways, he told me that that commercial paid for his kids to go through college and his house. <laughs> so, Absolutely. You know what? In those days, years and years ago, you could do a commercial and you could make $100,000 from one commercial, 125000 because it would there weren't cable and it would be prime time. So the commercials would play prime time and you get a nice amount of money yeah. each time it plays. So... Um, I made a lot of money on a Honda commercial for, um, and then I did an Imodium commercial where I told him I don't want to be the guy running to the bathroom. And so <laughs> I was somebody in the car and I made, you know, enough to buy, you know, again, like to put my kid through college. So in those days you made a lot of money. Nowadays it's not as much because you got to buy out for um, cable. Then you have a couple of times where it'll pay, where it'll play prime time, but otherwise yeah, the money's not there anymore. Yeah, that's why again, why we need you know residual money. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like they're stepping back to the time in the '60s where uh, the TV shows got nothing. You know, like Gilligan's Island and things like that. Yeah. Those people got nothing from from the yeah, reruns. It's, it's, it's absolutely it's crazy. Yeah. Something today in the LA Times, um, an actor who was a football player and he's had a couple of heart attacks and he was talking about the fact that he lost his insurance so you have to make over twenty six thousand dollars in session fees as an actor in order to get um your uh, health insurance yeah and uh, for a lot of actors that's trouble right i mean you know i've been lucky enough to make it all these years but there are times when people you know when you don't yeah and um you know, you feel for that situation, and I imagine time will come when possibly that will happen to me mm. as I get older. Yeah. Hopefully not. But, yeah. you know, it seems to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ken, I, I know we got to finish up here, and uh, I want to, you know, people go back and watch some of the shows that you've been in, uh, the Goldbergs, whatever. It's it just a pleasure, you know, pleasure to see you on the screen. And uh, I want to finish it up with one final question. Yes. When you sit back and relax... What's your favorite TV shows now and over the past? And what's your favorite movies? 
Favorite TV shows now are Seinfeld. Oh, you're talking about like, yeah, Seinfeld and Sopranos, obviously the two great ones. And um, movies, uh, the classics, you know, Casablanca, The Godfather. Yep. I'm going to see Oppenheimer tomorrow. I'm hearing that that's an incredible, incredible. Have you seen it yet? Not yet, but I'm going to very soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going tomorrow to see it. Um, that. I'm saying right now that that possible. I mean, the way they're talking about that movie, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. but those are my favorites. So you know, and, yeah. and again, all these old movies on Turner Classics, I'm trying to turn my son on to that they had. You know, he hasn't seen these these movies, and I, you know, turn my son and my daughter on to these classic movies. They're incredible, mm -hmm. and these old actors. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, Ken, I cannot thank you enough. I, I thank you for taking the time. Not a problem, Brian. It's a pleasure. A big thank you going out to Ken Lerner for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond, and uh, it's you know just to talk with him and talk about all the things he's been on. He worked with his son and everything else. It's just just uh, so much information he gave us, and I want to thank him so much for taking the time to join us here at On Screen and Beyond. And if you are out there and you are getting your version of this show on whatever one of the podcast providers you're getting it. Please help us out and please leave a review. Hopefully you'll leave a good review for us and uh, we'll continue to get more people here on the show. Uh, the way it works is uh, the more people we have listening to On Screen and Beyond, we can get more people on On Screen and Beyond because they want to, you know, they want to go where the people are. And hopefully, you know, we've been <laughs> doing this for 17 years. We've had uh, our biggest download ever was 90,000 people in two hours. And uh, that was... Uh, just it, it just blew my mind. I, you know, I mean, you know, we have a lot of listeners, but uh, that was just incredible. So uh, we hope we can continue to do that type of thing. We don't do it all the time. I know that, you know, I'm not going to tell you I do that all the time. But uh, it was such a you know thrill for me to look and see, wow, two hours, <laughs> 90,000 people that downloaded an episode of On Screen and Beyond. That's just one episode, not other episodes, just one. So uh, that was a big deal. And uh, it's because of the the, uh, the people we have here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we hope that you'll continue to listen to On Screen and Beyond. If you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much. And if you are a new listener, welcome. And I hope we can uh, keep you here and keep listening to the episodes of On Screen and Beyond that we'll be giving to you as we continue. We're going to be going into season 17 here at on screen and beyond in september and in case you don't know the way we do our seasons is the way they used to do it when uh, you know back in the 60s and 70s when every kid was excited because you know they'd go back to school and you can always count at the beginning, first week, second week of September, all the new TV shows would be coming out. So you wouldn't pay attention to what's going on in school because you wanted to see what was on TV. So uh, that's the way we do it. Uh, we would turn around and have our season premiere on the uh, you know the beginning of September. And that's the way it used to be. So uh, now they sort of do that, but they sort of stretch it out for three months. And, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, it also used to be that, you know, the episode were 30 episodes a season or 20 or 30 sometimes 40 uh now you know if, if you get eight to ten you're doing good so you know 
don't know. We'll see. But uh, anyways, that's how we do it here at On Screen and Beyond. So season 17 will be starting up in a few weeks here. And I hope you're going to stick around for that and keep listening to On Screen and Beyond. So that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Take care.